This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and welcome to another show. I believe this is show 92 as we march towards 100, the centennial coming up in about eight weeks. Glad to have you along. You can always check us out on social media, Instagram, at Two Steps Ahead, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, on Instagram, also my personal Instagram page at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, all kinds of content there. But the main place to go is RadioWarp.com, Radio, W-A-R-P.com. And you can check out all the shows there on RadioWarp.com. You can watch the videos of all the shows. You can listen to the audio. And plus, there's links there on the website that will take you to Spotify, SoundCloud, and other places where you can listen to the show um, through audio means. And then also there's a listen live button where you can click the listen live button and listen to uh, RadioWarp.com 24-7 with music and different types of shows and podcasts there. And there's uh, also a button there for merchandise. If you want to get some cool merchandise, some swag for two steps ahead, you can click that and it'll take you to the merchandise store. What you just heard was an excerpt from Martin Luther King Jr. from uh, August 28th, 1963. So... What's that? About 58 years ago, as of this broadcast. And it was an excerpt from the portion of the speech. And did you know that his I Have a Dream part of the speech was actually ad-libbed? There was a uh, gospel singer, I forget her name offhand, but she just spontaneously said something during a pause in the speech, and that triggered something. She Oh, she said, she goes, uh, tell tell them about your dream. That's what she said. She said, tell them about your dream. And so he paused. He slid the speech aside, and he just went off, off the cuff. And he talked about, I have a dream. So that whole I have a dream part is off the cuff, his dream. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, here 58 years later, when he talks about having a dream about how his daughters would be judged by their merit, not on the color of their skin. And his speech was all about racism, right? Color of skin. And how kids would play together regardless of skin color. And how we can get past the prejudices of racism based on the color of skin. 
And then I started to think about it. And there's a lot of people that support that. Even today, a lot of people will agree racism is not good. In fact, there were a lot of people in the summer of 2020 that hit the streets protesting in the name of racism. But then as I start to think about where we are in America today, and this is what we're going to talk about on the show, just how divided are we? I mean, think about it. We may have gotten, or we may have had progress in racial issues. Some would say probably not, but, you know, in all honesty, Anybody can drink out of the same drinking fountain. Anybody can go into any store. Or can they? Listen, I'll tell you why. But through racial skin color, you can pretty much do anything that the next person can. Okay? Like I said, you can go to a restaurant, drinking fountain, sit anywhere on the bus, anywhere on the plane, all that. There is no discrimination, legal discrimination, that would allow you to have to be segregated based on the color of your skin. But have you noticed in society today, especially over the last couple of years, how we have become segregated based on other things? And so that's what we're going to talk about. And I want to base it off of something, okay? And the reason why I play Martin Luther King, his excerpt from I Have a Dream, because there was a teacher in Riceville, Iowa, back in 1968, And she taught, you know, several years. But she was an anti-racist, I don't want to say activist because it does give it the wrong impression, but she was against racism. And in Iowa at the time, Iowa is pretty white, especially in rural Iowa. Riceville, Iowa was pretty much predominantly white. And so she came up with this idea. She wanted to teach her students, third grade students, what it would be like to be discriminated against based on something. Well, all the students in the class were of the same skin color, so she couldn't use skin color. So she came up with this idea. So Jane Elliott, a third-grade teacher at a school in Riceville, Iowa, I believe it started in 1968, just after uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, but she came up with this experiment, and she was going to divide the class by the color of their eyes. Okay? And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the segregation that goes on in America today based on other things that may not include color of skin. So we heard Martin Luther King Jr. there, his speech, I Have a Dream. And so, yeah, we've got people now that are coming together, even though it might not seem like it, but people coming together for racial equality based on the color of skin. But so here Jane Elliott divided up the students, blue eyes and brown eyes, okay? And so what she did was she started out by making the blue-eyed students, because she had blue eyes herself, the blue-eyed students were superior that day. The brown-eyed students were inferior. So what does that mean? So that means that the blue-eyed students would receive extra recess time. They would get extra portions of food at lunch. They could sit in the front of the class and participate, uh, participate in class discussions. Meanwhile, the brown-eyed students had to sit in the back, couldn't discuss uh, what was going on in the class, couldn't go to recess at the same time, only had one portion of lunch. They had to have other restrictions placed on them as well. And then on top of it, she had this collar made for each of them that would identify them 
as brown-eyed. So that way, if you couldn't tell what color those eyes were, they were identified by this color. And so she started to get these students to kind of talk about if this was something that would be acceptable or not. And I've got some clips here because in, I believe it was 1970, she, uh, PBS reached out, and I guess she invited them into her class to film this experiment. And so we've got some audio from Jane Elliott. So let's start it off with this uh, first clip with a Jane Elliott, again, a third-grade teacher, Riceville, Iowa, 1970. Okay, 1970. As of this broadcast, we're in 2021, so you can do the math to see just how far along uh, this societal experiment has come. You think you know how I would feel yeah. to be judged by the color of your skin? Yeah. I don't, do you think you do? No, I don't think you'd know how that felt unless you had been through it, would you? <laughs> it might be interesting to judge people today by the color of their eyes. Would you like to try this? Yeah. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Since I'm the teacher and I have blue eyes, I think maybe the blue-eyed people should be on top the first day. I mean, the blue-eyed people are the better people in this room. Oh, yes, they are. Blue-eyed people are smarter than brown-eyed people. My dad isn't that stupid. Is your dad brown-eyed? Yeah. One day you came to school and you told us that he kicked you. He did. Do you think a blue-eyed father would kick his son? So she starts off and sets the tone for the class, explaining, asking them, do you know what it would be like to be basically discriminated against based on color of skin? And of course, the students didn't or wouldn't because everybody was white in their community, in their school, in their classroom. So she came up with this idea for the eyes. And did you see how initially everyone was excited? You hear some cheering going on. She asked, do you want to uh, try this? And they're all, you know, exclaim yes. You know, they're all happy about it. But then you start to see, I think, reality kind of check in. You know, one student talked about how, I guess at one point, his dad kicked him. Dad was brown eyes. So then the teacher brings out the fact that all the blue-eyed dads from the students in the class, they wouldn't kick anybody. So she started to have this divide between the blue-eyed students and the brown-eyed students. And every time the brown-eyed students would say something to try to rebut what Jane Elliott, the teacher, was trying to say, she would have another comment to kind of tell them why they were wrong, kind of put them down. So the one student objects and says, no, brown-eyed brown students are the same as blue-eyed. But then the teacher says, didn't your dad kick you? Well, your dad is brown-eyed. All these brown-eyed parents or blue-eyed parents wouldn't kick their kids. They never did it. So there's something different. There's something wrong with your dad. Well, besides kicking your kid, but using the brown eyes, yeah. No blue eyes did it. Brown eyes. So brown eyes are bad. So she continues on with this, okay? And I've got some more clips I want to play here in a minute. But when you start to look at how quickly the class divides over color of eyes, again, now keep in mind, okay, when it comes to race, 
We cannot control the color of our skin. When it comes to eye color, we not we can't control that. Well, now with contacts and stuff, we can. But, you know, we can't, at least in 1970, we can't do that. When it comes to our gender, we can't control that. Although some people like to think we can, but we can't. When you're born, you're born a certain way. I'm not getting that argument right now. But you're born a certain way. You're either A or B. That's it. Whatever's inside of you, that's another story. But you're born at birth, A or B. Okay. So there's some things that you can't control. Now, in society today, there are a lot of things we can control. Political alignment. Are you GOP or are you a Democrat? Religion. What religion do you study? And are we discriminated against based on our religion? Now, there's laws put in place where we can't discriminate against people for, you know, race, sex, color, creed, etc. You know, those federal laws. But these are things that we choose in life, perhaps, to be a part of. Education. We choose to... Maybe some don't, but we choose to get an education. You know, we choose to pick what school we want to go to. I mean, it's college football season now. It's kicking off, and all these rivalries are going to take place, USC versus UCLA. You've got, you know, let's say Michigan versus Michigan State. You've got Harvard versus Yale. You know, pick any school. They all have a rivalry. Pick your high school. Everybody has a rivalry, and you want to beat them. And there's reasons why you think you're superior to them. Now, you can even go to the professional sports. You've got, you know, like the Dodgers Giants. You've got the Yankees Red Sox, you know. Now, there's one way for fans, and it's gotten crazy, too, because if you're a Dodger Giant fan, you know your rivalry has consisted, like other sports, especially soccer, overseas in Europe, but in uh, fighting and bloodshed. And people fighting where, you know, one time a paramedic from San Francisco, a giant fan, was practically uh, paralyzed, almost killed in the uh, parking lot of Dodger Stadium. So fanatics, short for fan, is, you know, fanatics. And so you have these people that get excited. They pick a side. But we choose to pick those sides. However, the one thing is that we can determine who is greater is on the field of competition. So we can say, Dodgers beat the Giants, Dodgers are better. Giants beat the Dodgers, Giants are better. USC beat UCLA in football, USC is better. USC beat Notre Dame. Nebraska, hopefully they win a few games and beat some rivalry uh, teams so that they can say they're better. And so, you know, it goes on and on there. So athletics, it's a little different because we do have some, some satisfaction to know that we either won or we lost. And then we kind of leave it there especially if we get over the bad feelings, you know, we don't get hostile about it. But with, when it comes to some of these other things, brown-eyed and blue-eyed, we can't, we can't choose that. And so you can see these students, at first they were really excited about the experiment. And then I think reality started to set in that they could see the divide that was starting to take place. The blue-eyed people get five extra minutes of recess. While the brown-eyed people have to stay in. The brown-eyed people do not get to use the drinking fountain. You'll have to use the paper cups. You brown-eyed people are not to play with the blue-eyed people on the playground because you are not as good as blue-eyed people. Well, the brown-eyed people in this room today are going to wear collars so that we can tell from a distance what color your eyes are. 
On page 127. 127. Is everyone ready? Everyone but Laurie. Ready, Laurie? She's a brown-eyed. Brown You'll begin to notice today that we spend a great deal of time waiting for brown-eyed people. So the teacher, Jane Elliott, picks out Lori, slow to get to page whatever it was, 127. And then another student shouts out, brown-eyed. And then the teacher affirms that with, yep, we've been waiting on brown-eyed students a lot today. They're slowing us down. Brown-eyed students are not as superior as blue-eyed. Blue-eyed are way superior. Brown-eyes have deficits. They're slow to turn to a page. They're slow to get their assignments done. They're slow to respond to the teacher's commands. And you start to see that division take place all because one person, the teacher, a person that is in a position of authority, a person who is, I would imagine, respected, teachers looked up to her, I mean, I'm sorry, students looked up to teachers, so these students looked up to her. And so you see where this starts to come from. Students, Some students started to question the teacher early on, but then the teacher had something to kind of put them down. And you see this start to grow as you watch this thing. And if you want to watch it, just go online, YouTube, whatever, uh, Frontline actually did the video for PBS and just type in blue-eyed, brown-eyed experiment and you'll see it. You can see it for yourself firsthand. But you start to see this divide, okay? Now think about it for a moment, okay? This started when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. It was April 4th, 1968, so April. Most of the time, school starts, what, September? Now it might be August. But by the time you get to April, the spring of the year, a lot of the school year is behind us. So there has been a lot of relationships, social relationships on the playground, friendships that have been developed over time. A lot of history between these students in the classroom. They've probably done maybe birthday parties. Maybe they've gone on, you know, over to each other's houses. Who knows? They played on the playground. Maybe they've worked in groups. Because remember, it's Riceville, Iowa. Not a lot of division there. I'm sure that, you know, obviously everybody was white. Don't think there's too much um, socioeconomical differences, finances, you know, things like that. Probably all pretty much the same. I'd imagine it's a farming community. So you never know. But it's, you know, it's a rural American city, small town. And so a lot of people are probably in the same boat when it comes to the way they live. Similar style houses, probably farmhouses. Or if you're in the city, you know, similar style houses. I don't think there's any Beverly Hills of Riceville. Maybe Whoville. But so you start to see where a lot of these students, for the first time, might be looking at a classmate. Third grade, maybe they went kindergarten, first, and second together. So they know these fellow students, these brown-eyed students that they have spent a lot of time with, probably friends with. And now all of a sudden, they're viewing them through a different light. They're looking at them as less superior, as a less than person. I'm blue-eyed, I'm better. You're brown-eyed, you're not. Brown-eyed, can't find the page. You heard someone say that, a student. 
And then the teacher follows up. Yep, we've been wasting a lot of time with brown-eyed students. What's that like? Is that something that we're hearing today? And if so, where is it at? What area are we starting to hear some of these similar things, right? So we've talked about it, okay? You have usually your, your division comes along racial lines. You also have now sexual orientation. Remember, uh, gay marriage was a big, big thing for a lot of people, fighting gay marriage, recognizing gay marriage. There's a big divide between that. The people on the pro-gay marriage side versus the anti-gay marriage side and the fight that occurred. But what about gender-neutral bathrooms? Nobody ever thought or cared about, at least in my experience, gender-neutral bathrooms. You just went into the bathroom that you wanted to go into. Nobody ever thought twice about it until the Obama administration made it a big deal. Then all of a sudden, gender-neutral bathrooms, that topic blew up. Great divide. Now there's arguments over who can go where. And then certain coffee shops just made gender-neutral bathrooms, which, by the way, were gender-neutral to begin with anyways because they usually had one in their establishment, but now they had to go and make it, uh, pronounce it, label it gender-neutral. When you only have one bathroom, people, it is gender-neutral. But now we have to consciously think about it, and oh, we have to be like everybody else, so now we're going to label it gender-neutral. And so all of a sudden, everything became gender-neutral. Go to the gas station, gender-neutral. Gas station bathrooms were always pretty much gender-neutral, if you know what I mean. You just went whichever one you could get into. After time, this one's broken, this one's flooded, this one's too dirty, this one's open, don't care what the sign says, that's the one that I'm using. But it was when you got into these multi-facility bathrooms, started to make a big deal out of it, gender-neutral. Anybody can use any bathroom that they want. Before that, nobody really cared. Or they just, at least they didn't think about it. It didn't become network news worthy until somebody in a position of authority whom a lot of people respected made an issue of it. Brown-eyed, blue-eyed. Gender-neutral bathrooms. And a lot of people to this day still have problems with that. A lot of issues. There was a recent issue in uh, Los Angeles about a transgendered person who was still kind of male in biology, walked into a uh, women's spa, exposed himself, and set the world on fire. Politically, socially, a lot of arguments, protests, fights, division. You can also talk about religion. What about wokeness now? People divided over being woke. Mr. Potato Head. No, can't have him because he's not gender neutral. Although there was Mrs. Potato Head. What about Aunt Jemima? Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about he had a dream where everyone's created equal. Everyone can play with each other. You're judged by the merit. Well, Aunt Jemima was deemed racist. I'll let you decide whether or not Aunt Jemima is a racist thing, but you're celebrating a spokesperson for syrup. But somehow that's racism because of wokeness. Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben's rice. That's racist to have Uncle Ben on the box of a rice box. Is it? But now we've got to divide because someone came out and said it is. So everybody jumped on it. Nobody cared before. 
Uncle Ben, Aunt Jemima, some of these things, Mr. Potato Head, they've been around forever. And nobody cared. Nobody thought about it. It's really irrelevant when it comes to the scheme of things in life. Outside of Toy Story, Mr. Potato Head probably would have been irrelevant a long time ago with the electronic age. But Toy Story kind of kept it around. Now, all of a sudden, somebody says something. It's a big deal. Now, we got to fight over it. Brown-eyed, blue-eyed. Let's see where we're at here with Jane Elliott. And it seemed like when we were down on the bottom, everything bad was happening to us. The way they treated you, you felt like you didn't even want to try to do anything. It seemed like Mrs. Elliott was taking our best friends away from us. Recess. Were two of you boys fighting? Yeah. yeah. Russell and John. Russell. What happened, John? Russell called me names and I hit him. Hit him in the gut. What did he call you? Brown eyes. Did you call him brown eyes? They always call us that. Craig yeah. and all of the um, yeah. boys call us that. call us brown eyes. Then they would call us blue eyes. I yeah. wasn't. Sandy and Donna were. Yeah. What's wrong with being called brown eyes? It means that we're stupider. Well, not that. Yeah. See, students start to realize, hey, brown eyes is a bad thing. It's a negative thing, a negative connotation to be called brown eyes. So the one kid calls the other kid brown eyes, and so the brown eyed punches him in the gut. Like when he says, I punched him in the gut. Very specific. And then at the beginning there, the beginning of the clip at recess, they're out at recess and they're talking about how the teacher taking their best friends away, how they feel really bad that they don't even want to do anything. That brown eyes are bad people. And again, these are third graders. And they're going through all this bad stuff. And so these two students that are probably friends because they've been in the same class, and if you go on and watch the documentary, it's, it's pretty long. I mean, it's longer than what this show would allow for us to, to partake in. But it, it's a reunion show where they bring back students then to look at the video, watch the show, and then they talk about it after the fact. But they were friends. And now they're fighting, punching each other in the gut because they were called brown-eyed. They're called names, brown-eyed. So you see the divide. The divide is there and it's growing. This is just one day. So it went from morning when Jane Elliott, the teacher, introduced this experiment, brown-eyed, blue-eyes. Up until then, everybody got along. Now in the morning, the division starts to grow. Brown-eyed people. You can't turn to page 1 and 27 fast enough. We're waiting on you, waiting on you. You're slow. Your brown-eyed dads kick you. Blue-eyed, blue-eyed dads don't do that. They don't behave that way. Lunchtime. Just a couple hours into the day of this experiment, now all of a sudden, there's a great divide. People fighting over the fact that they're being called brown-eyed. They're fighting over their differences. All because one person, the teacher, in this case, intentionally did this, but the teacher started this. One person. And the kids bought it hook, line, and sinker, and they end up fighting. They end up fighting over it. Now, as the experiment in the day goes on, it gets worse, and the kids get worse. 
But then the twist comes the next day. So the next day, the teacher comes in and she switches it. Now, all of a sudden, the brown eyed students are the better student. They get the extra recess. They get the uh, extra lunch. They get all the benefits of being in the front, class discussion. Blue-eyed sent to the back. They have to wear the collars. The dynamic changes. So now the brown-eyed students who felt all this oppression and discrimination the first day, instead of learning, they now repay the favor, and they start calling people blue-eyed. Now, the blue-eyed students are the bad students. They're the ones we're waiting on. They're the ones that are doing everything wrong. The brown-eyed students are superior, and the teacher reinforces this, and the dynamic changes. So the exact same behavior takes place the very next day, except it switches roles. Brown-eyed students are now the superior ones. Blue-eyed students aren't, and you have a repeat of the day before. And the whole point of this was for the teacher, Jane Elliott, to try to get students to understand, in this case, and I guess at the time of this video, but it started in 1968 after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. So late 60s, early 70s, this experiment going on. She's talking about trying to show what it's like to be treated differently based on something you can't control. I watched what had been marvelous cooperative, wonderful, thoughtful children turn into nasty, vicious, discriminating little third graders in a space of 15 minutes. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Wonderful, thoughtful to little devils. Vicious. 15 minutes. Look how quickly it changed. I mean, imagine, let's set the stage again. What if these students are in a typical school, small town, Iowa? I spent a lot of time, well, about a year and a half. That's not a lot of time. But I spent a significant amount of time in a small town in Iowa, Esterville, Iowa. A lot of times it's in these uh, small town schools. it's, It's one building for K through 12. You're in one building. But a lot of times you have one kindergarten class that moves to first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and they move on. So if these students were together in kindergarten, first and second grade, and now we're into April, they've had all year together. They're friends. They all look alike. They all come from similar backgrounds. You know, I would guess maybe farming community, similar uh, experiences in life. 15 minutes, Jane Elliott says right there. They went from wonderful to vicious. Fighting at lunch, punching each other in the gut, over calling somebody a brown-eyed or blue-eyed. Something we can't control. And this was the reason why she wanted to do this, okay? This is the clip to listen to carefully because this whole experiment that she came up with came from what happened in the aftermath of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. So this is the, as they call it, the money clip. On the day after Martin Luther King was killed, my, one of my students came into the room and said, they shot a king last night, Mrs. Elliott. Why'd they shoot that king? I knew the night before that it was time to deal with this in a concrete way, not just talk about it, because we had talked about racism since the first day of school. But the shooting of Martin Luther King, who had been one of our heroes of the month in February, could not just be talked about and explained away. There was no way to explain this to little third graders in Riceville, Iowa. 
As I listened to the white male commentators on TV the night before, I was hearing things like, who's going to hold your people together as they interviewed black leaders? Uh, what are they going to do? Uh, who's going to control your people? As though this was, these people were subhuman and someone was going to have to step in there and control them. They said things like, when we lost our leader, his widow helped to hold us together. Who's going to hold them together? And the attitude was so arrogant and so condescending and so ungodly that I thought if white male adults react this way, what are my third graders going to do? How are they going to react to this thing? So much to unpack in that clip. First off, it starts with the media. Sound familiar? The media, people, white male news anchors, in her opinion, saying your people... What are they going to do? Our people, our widow, talking about JFK and his assassination. See, there was a divide in the media already with the use of language. And so Jane Elliott picks up on that, and she doesn't like it. She said that made the black people, them over there, sound subhuman. Where are we at today? Well, the similarities are the media is obviously a dividing force telling us one thing, but then doing another thing. They're dividing. They're dividing. So what's the biggest thing right now, the biggest division going on? Okay, so let's set the table. So brown-eyed experiment, blue-eyed experiment. Teacher comes in. Everybody's getting along. Now all of a sudden, we're divided. Blue-eyed are superior. Extra recess, extra lunch, extra privileges in the front of the class, all this stuff. You're superior. Brown-eyed, you're inferior. You're late to turn to your pages. Your dad kicks you. You guys are brown-eyed. And then we fight at lunchtime. We went from wonderful and nice to vicious little devils in 15 minutes because a teacher introduced this experiment to them and said there's a difference because of the color of your eyes, something no one can control. Okay. So where we're at today. Well, now we've got a virus running around. And now the great divide is not... GOP Democrat like it was at the election not too long ago, although there still is a great divide. But there's a lot of unity coming together now after Afghanistan. A lot of people starting to come together according to the polls based on that experience. So there's a little bit of unification going on. So not such a great divide. But again, a news story. Okay. So then you have also um, things like abortion. Remember when abortion, it still is a hot topic, but it's not in the news. So nobody's really talking about it. When it hits the news cycle, boom, explodes, and then we fight. My body, my choice. For the abortion people, that's okay. But what about the mask people? No, it doesn't count. You wear a mask or else. People throw out my body, my choice with a mask. No, it doesn't count. Great divide. What's good for the goose isn't good for the gander, or vice versa. What's good for the gander isn't good for the goose. Gun control. Not really a hot topic issue right now, but once it hits the media cycle, it becomes a big topic. You see where we're at? So the hot topic right now, immigration. Obviously, immigration was a big deal. I remember back around January, there was a lot of fighting going on social media about the border, kids in cages. We don't hear about that anymore. Nobody's talking about it. Has anything changed? I don't think so. But yet, news isn't driving it. So we're not fighting about it. What are we fighting about? 
Well, we're fighting about masks and vaccines right now. So the vaccinated people all over social media and everywhere blaming the unvaccinated for the disease, which if you believe science is completely ridiculous. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay, give me a second. Let's take a look at it. You got two people, vaccinated and unvaccinated. Okay, the vaccinated person can still get the virus. It's been proven time and time again. Many people that have been vaccinated, and you could just go to social media. You can go to your website of your choice and just you know type it up, Yahoo it, Bing it, whatever, and you can find a lot of people, story after story of vaccinated people from all walks of life getting the virus, but they're blaming the unvaccinated. Well, this is what science really says. You've got vaccinated and unvaccinated. And most of the time, people don't really know where they got sick from if you get the virus. Some may, but a lot of times you really don't know. You can't definitively say, I got it here. One time I asked a lady, she got sick. It was on social media. She was a mask person. She was a hand washer, social distance, the whole thing. And she just blamed it on because she was traveling. She just blamed it on, oh, I got it on the flight somewhere. Well, maybe you did, but maybe you didn't. You can't definitively say that you got it on the plane. It could have been anywhere. Okay, but vaccinated, unvaccinated. Okay, so your vaccinated person somehow gets the virus. Okay, so the vaccinated person gets the virus. Unvaccinated person, no virus. The only person that can spread the virus to another person is the vaccinated person. The unvaccinated person with no virus can't spread nothing. But the vaccinated person is yelling and screaming at the unvaccinated person because they're the reason why he got sick, yet they can't prove it. So a vaccinated person feels comfortable enough before, let's say, the symptoms set in and before he gets really sick, before he realizes he has COVID. Let's say a vaccinated person hangs out with some other vaccinated persons or people. They all get sick. Well, the vaccinated person was the one that spread it. So the only person that can spread a disease, a virus, is a person that gets the virus. So the culprit here is the virus, not whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, because everybody apparently can still get the virus. The only difference with the vaccine, as the narrative goes, is your symptoms won't be as bad. Well, I'll let you be the judge of that. Now, the unvaccinated people, it's a choice. If you want to get it and you want to wear a mask and you want to get vaccinated and you want to do all that, go ahead and do it. Unvaccinated people are okay with you doing that. Maybe they look at you funny because they don't agree with it, but they're okay with it. Vaccinated people, they're militant. They blame you. They curse you. They fight with you on social media. They call you all kinds of names. They hope that you get COVID and that you die of it. Brown-eyed, blue-eyed. The divide. Start out with masks. Masks, no masks. You should wear a mask because it stops the spread. Okay, it's been a year and a half. California's had extreme lockdown, extreme mask measures, and the virus is still around. Logical person with some reasonable uh, critical thinking skills would say, yeah, mask probably not the best thing, but whatever. But you do you, I'll do me. But don't force it upon me. But the vaccinated, the maskers, they want to force it on you. Be militant. That's what it has become. Brown-eyed, blue-eyed. Why is that? Why do we spend our time fighting? And yet, of course, it's politics. You know, it's politics. This virus thing is made completely political. But instead of coming together and talking about it and trying to come up with a solution, because I can think now a year and a half into this, maybe almost two years into this thing, what about antibodies? Is there a test to, to do that, to see if people who are naturally immune have enough antibodies to fight it off? Well, now we've got all kinds of variants coming. First, it was the Delta variant, then the Lambda variant, now the South African variant I'm reading. 
Is the next thing coming? Now we're talking about booster shots every five months. Where does it end? The divide grows bigger. The militant people pointing at you. So the anti-vaxxers, now they got to rise up and be militant. Because at first they're like, nah, you, you do you, I do me. Oh, wait, you're going to get militant with me now? Game on. Let's fight. And now we're in the proverbial playground punching each other in the gut because somebody said something. Get the vaccine. Blame the unvaccinated. The vaccinated people are the ones that are superior. The unvaccinated aren't. They're the ones causing all the problem. The right to life people, they're the ones causing all the problems. Yet the pro-abortion people are the ones actually taking a life. The my body, my choice, if I want to get an abortion, I can, but you can't. You have to wear masks. There's no, no choice. See, we're fighting. Instead of just understanding, we're punching each other in the gut because of something that's different. It becomes militant becomes driven by politics and media. But time is short. Why are we spending all this time fighting? Now, at the end of this experiment, the teacher brings the brown-eyed students and the blue-eyed students together. She takes the callers off that identified them as the inferior person, allows them to rip them up, throw them in the trash, brings them together, and at the end of the experiment, they're back to one class. She explains to them, it's just an experiment, just an exercise, see what happened, and it was a learning lesson. A lesson for people to realize that there could be differences in this world, but it doesn't have to be a divide, especially against things that aren't really that important. Now, I'm not saying a pandemic and a virus isn't important, but when you have the numbers not backing it up, when you have people lying to you, like the teacher, the teacher did not believe that brown-eyed students one day or blue-eyed students the next day were inferior, but she said it. And the trusting students believed her because she was in a position of authority. She was a position of trust. Who are you trusting? Are you doing your own research? Are you just looking at social media, Twitter, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever? Are you just looking at those places and saying, no, that's it? Are you really doing your research? Are you really checking it out? Are you really having a thought of your own? We would rather sit in the playground and punch each other in the gut than come together and work together. I often think how great this uh, country is, but I think today, if we were to start over and do everything that was necessary to build this country up again, I don't think we could do it. You think of the pilgrims and the people that came over. Now, don't get me started on your June 19th stuff. This isn't politics. This is just straight facts. People came over here to start this colonization of the country. Then from there, we expanded west. Recently, I got to go to St. Louis and see the, uh, the arch, gateway to the rest the gateway to the West. Then we expanded West. We grew from little rural communities, little cow towns, little, you know, wild West show towns to big metropolises. People built this country. I don't think we could do that today. Too much infighting, too much separation. Too much difference for us to come together for the common good. That's why we can't beat a pandemic because we have to politicize it. We have to fight about it. We have to argue about it. We have to get on social media and be a keyboard social warrior because everybody has a PhD in everything nowadays. And we fight. We spend our time fighting. Fight, fight, fight. That's all we want to do. But is that the best way for us to spend our time? You have to remember that time is a gift, not something you're entitled to. And no matter how hard you try, you can't control it. There's no making it go backwards or stopping it. The only thing you can do is choose how to spend the time you're given. You don't know how many more days or years you have, 
So make sure you're celebrating every moment you get. Time is a gift. Life is a gift. How are you going to spend it? How are you choosing to spend this precious thing called time? If anything, we've all learned in the last year and a half, tomorrow is definitely not guaranteed. So we're going to spend it listening to people. Tell us how we should think, how we should believe, how we should act our lives, what we should engage in, take that free thought away, live inside that box that we always talk about, or you can live outside the box, bring out your inner greatness, raise the standard, take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Because when we listen to others that push down, if you're a vaccinated person and you're slamming an unvaccinated person, somebody that lives on the other side of the world from you, but you're on social media slamming them. Why? They're not contributing to anything you did. Were you the one out in the streets in the summer of 2020? There's a correlation. Usually the people that are vaccinated, not all, but there's, I'm starting to notice a correlation, an unscientific correlation. The people that are vaccinated and cursing the unvaccinated were the people in the streets that were burning down businesses and looting and rioting in the name of social justice. See, that was okay. Martin Luther King to OJ Simpson to George Floyd. We haven't come very far with the divide, the racial divide that that has caused. And now we're moving into a medical divide. Now California wants passports. You have to have a passport to get in someplace. The caller Brown-eyed, you got to wear a collar so we can identify you. Well, we need to know what your vaccination status is. Black people in the 60s, you can't drink in this drinking fountain. You can't go into that restaurant. You can't go to this movie house. You have to stay out because you're not allowed here because you don't qualify, in this case, based on the color of your skin. Out in California, New York, you can't come in because you don't have a vaccine. You don't have a vaccine that proves you can't get COVID, yet... The news story, the very news entities that are dividing us are telling us that vaccinated people get COVID too. So you're going to have a Chili's out in Los Angeles full of vaccinated people with a false sense of security and they all get vaccinated. And then they all get the disease because of a false sense of security. There's only one thing in our lives that we're never able to reacquire once it's gone. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about material items. I'm talking about time. And it's such a unique concept, unique idea, because when utilized correctly, it contains the ingredients to success, to happiness, to growth, prosperity, all the things we want. But at the very same time, if neglected, it leaves us with very little. Because the truth is, every morning when you wake up, You are living minutes you will never get back. You are breathing air you will never take in again. It is your one opportunity to embrace this gift. And every second sees a little of it slip away. And my point is that there is no moment more important, more perfect than right now. Not in a week, not after your promotion, not in 30 years when you plan to retire and relax. Right now. 84,600 seconds, I believe, in a day. How are you going to spend them? Are you going to waste them away? Fighting with somebody? Punching them in the gut over something that is insignificant? 
insignificant from the standpoint that you're on social media and they're in one part of the country, you're in the other part of the country, you guys don't even know each other, and yet you're going to fight. I gave that up. I gave that up in January. I was involved in a lot of nonsense conversations on social media from like June to January of 2020 to 2020. I gave it up. I did what I had to do to get those people out, and then I decided, you know what, I'm not even going to engage anymore. It's a waste of my time. I don't want to spend one more second arguing with somebody that's not going to be rational or reasonable. If you're not going to have a conversation about it, then I don't want to hear it. I'll listen to your side. may not agree. You may not convince me to change my mind, but there might be some things that you might be able to talk to me about that I might reconsider. I don't know, but I don't have that dialogue because people just want to fight. They want to punch in the gut. Are we going to spend our time doing that? Are we going to look at the world we live in and come to the realization, put aside the politics and all this stuff and realize that, in this case, the great divide is not brown-eyed, blue-eyed. It's the virus. Are we going to realize that these are the facts? If you're vaccinated, if you're unvaccinated, you can still get sick. You can still pass it around to other people. Masks may or may not work. Vaccine is still around. I mean, the virus is still around. We've got a vaccine, but it's still around, and we've been wearing masks, washing your hands, social distancing is still around. And in fact, we have more variants coming. Like I said, Lambda variant. The Delta variant came from India. The Lambda variant, I think, is coming from Peru. You have the South African variant coming from South Africa. It's going to continue. At what point do we step back and think, wait a minute, what's going on? Are we being manipulated by a perceived Jane Elliott? Now, her intentions were good when she talked with her class and did that experiment, wanted them to realize what racism was about and utilized what she could. And in the end, the students learned a lesson. And they all came together realizing that despite their eye color differences, they're all the same. But yeah, we're going to continue to fight because you want to be right, even though you really have no clue what you're talking about. I want to be right, even though I may not sometimes. Every once in a while, on the rare occasion, not know what I'm talking about. I'm just kidding. But you see where we're at? We're going to spend these 84,600 seconds a day. How are we going to do it? Are we going to squabble, fight, or are we going to be an impact, be a mentor, be someone that someone else can look up to? Are we going to raise the standard, bring out our inner greatness? That's what we have to decide to do because otherwise we're going to continue. If we listen to politicians and we listen to other people, maybe celebrities, people that really don't care. I mean, seriously, if you want to think about it, look at all the hypocrisy that has gone on. Just look at it. Whether it be you know, any number of politicians caught not wearing a mask, Elizabeth Warren, apparently in New Mexico, I read today, uh, a wedding, and apparently New Mexico has a strict mask mandate, and Elizabeth Warren's at a wedding. She's the uh, senator from Massachusetts who claimed to be Native American and wasn't, and she was maskless the whole time, along with the whole wedding party and the wedding crowd. Okay, whatever. But again, hypocrisy, right? So what are we going to believe? Are we going to continue to believe those evil intended Jane Elliott's out there, or do we want to... Look at the good Jane Elliott's out there that want to teach us a lesson, let us grow from it, and so we can understand that, you know what? Time is precious. Time is short. Time is fleeting. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to do good with the time that we have? From the moment we wake up, that second, 84,600 seconds, the second you wake up, now is that 83, whatever, 83,599. And then the next one, the next one, by the time you're out the door, how many seconds have gone by? What have you done? 
What are you going to do? If you're a teacher, are you going to have a positive impact? Are you going to be like that one teacher that in the news apparently made all their students pledge allegiance to the pride flag? Maybe that's not the time and place. You can have your beliefs. You can have your thoughts. You can have what you're passionate about. That's okay. That's what America is about. You have that right to have what you want to believe as long as it's not illegal. That's consensual in some cases. But you have that right, right to freedom, free speech, stuff like that. But what's the best use of that? Are we going to sit there and continue to have this great divide, pick on people? Because what's the next thing? Again, it was race. It's politics. It's gay marriage. It's gender-neutral bathrooms. It's money. The elite versus the undelete. We always hear about that. We got to spread the wealth. The rich have to pay their fair share. All this stuff. My body, my choice. Immigration. Now we have Afghanistan. People want to bring 200,000 Afghanistan people here. How do we do that? Now there's a divide over how we do that. Oh, some say they're terrorists. Some say they're needed. What about the divide when, when it was women? Me too. The Me Too movement. We believe all women. And all these people rose up for women's rights. And now everyone's, everyone's talking about, well, where are these people now with the Afghan women? And, every, and all the abuses they're going to face. These people are silent. See, a divide. Everything's a divide. And I get it. We have to one-up each other. That's the society that we live in. But what if we set that aside and be like, okay, what can we do to help these people? Because if you look at them individually, as a person, I think we look at them differently. We take the lens of politics off. Maybe we take the lens of religion off because maybe they believe something a little different. Now, I say th- now I'm not saying we give up safety and security. We got to do it right. We got to do it proper. Just like an alcoholic that comes to AA, we don't give them just a bunch of money and walk them by the bar every night. We got to do it right and we got to do it proper for them to recover, right? A drug addict, same thing. We don't want to put them in an environment to fail or an environment that they hurt us or hurt other people. We like to help homeless people, but how many times do we hear stories of homeless people attacking those that they've that have tried to help them? So we got to do it right. We got to do it safe. But are we going to spend our days fighting? Are we going to spend our days arguing? Are we going to spend our days doing that which is good, helping others, being a positive impact on this world? Being someone that people remember that did something good. Because time is fleeting. And we never know when our time is done. We've learned that this past year. And so as we sit there, are we going to let blue-eyed and brown-eyed people fight it out in the lunch yard and punch each other in the gut? We're going to come together and realize, dude, we've got a problem. We've got a problem in this country. We've got a problem in our community. We've got a problem in our school. We've got a problem in our family. Whatever the case may be, how can we solve it? How can we come together and use our time wisely and put together a plan? We're not always going to agree on everything. We all know that. History is known for disagreement. But how can we compromise? Compromise might be a good word that we need to promote more. Maybe we need to compromise. Maybe we need to not point the finger at somebody, whether they're vaccinated or not, whether they're wearing a mask or not, whether they're driving a car of a certain kind or not, whether they're doing a job or not. Whatever it is. Maybe we need to start looking at people through the lens of compassion, the lens of kindness, having compromise, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, that doesn't happen. We need to change ourselves. We need to fix ourselves first. I need to fix myself first before I can approach. I need to get prepared to go approach people that have a different view a different viewpoint, a different thought, opinion, etc. 
but then so do you, so that when you and I come together to talk about the issues, we can come up with a solution or compromise solution instead of just fighting and punching each other in the gut because you're brown-eyed and I'm blue-eyed. And I am blue-eyed, so obviously I'm more superior than you, the brown-eyed. But no, see, we got to sit there and come together and be able to solve and resolve. And until we do, things are going to continue to get worse because once you look back through time and you look at all the differences we've had, Global warming is going to continue to be one. Immigration is going to continue. It's been continuing for years. Gun control, you know, you can argue over whether guns are people. My opinion, people kill people. You put a gun on a table, unless someone picks it up and fires it, nothing's going to happen. See, but we have to have conversation. We have to talk about it. We have to be able to come together in a rational and reasonable way to have dialogue about it. And then we need to be informed, not informed by the media and the people, the Jane Elliott's that are pushing our buttons and making us be divided. But we need to go find uh, factual places where we can get information, good information, and then maybe find two, three, four of them so we can put together what's the common ground for truth. Maybe we need to start demanding truth from people. Fake news? Fake news is just code word for lies. Oh, they do fake news. No, fake news is a lie, people. And once we start to think that fake news is lying, that might change our perception too. We might start to come to an understanding that when someone says, oh, they're fake news. No, that's a lie. Would you allow, if you had a significant other, to lie to you? Would you allow your kids to lie to you? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't tolerate that. If you allowed your kids to lie to you and you're a parent, probably a bad parent. I'm not calling you out, but probably a bad parent. They're going to take advantage of you. If you're a teacher and students lie to you, would you allow that? Disrespect you? No. So why do we allow the media to do that to us? And then why do we turn around and do it to other people? Following the golden rule, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Maybe it's about time we start thinking about that. Because if you come to me and you treat me a certain way, now I have a little bit more patience, especially if it's a, a negative interaction. I have a little bit more patience. I might be a little bit of a smart ass in my response, but I'm not going to get hostile. But if you continue to come at me, yeah, you might... You might get me going, and it might be game on. I might be punching you in the gut in the playground. But if we approach each other with respect, if we approach each other with love, if we approach each other and realize that we're humans and our time here is short and we need to get the most out of it and start to realize and focus on how can I help others. If I'm a vaccinated person, how can I help you understand my point of view without condemning you in a militant fashion? If I'm unvaccinated, how can I help you understand my point of view? You can still be separate. You can still think two different ways. But we can understand each other because once you start to understand each other, we can start to work for the common good, which in this case would be to get rid of this virus, right? We don't want it. We want to get back to life, back to life, back to reality. But as long as we fight, we're never going to come up with a solution. We've got to come together. Time is fleeting. Are we going to spend our time punching each other in the gut, in the playground, or coming together to unify and make things greater. Bring out the inner greatness. Raise the standard. Take our passion. Make it happen. And let ourselves be great. Two Steps Ed Podcast. RadioWarp.com. Radio W-A-R-P. RadioWarp.com. Everything you need to know for uh, Two Steps Ed Podcast. You can li- click the Listen Live button and listen to live programming, music, 80s, pop music, etc. on the Listen Live. Or you can listen to the podcasts. And also on RadioWarp.com, there's links to different places where you can catch the uh, podcast on demand. My name is Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. And until next time, 
God bless.